Well, we're going to take a break from our series on the blood of the Lamb. Uh, certainly from a preaching perspective, but we never take a break from the blood, do we? We never take a break from thinking about and praising God for the blood of Jesus. Uh, but we're going to be looking this morning at a vital subject, I think. Uh, we've had a read in the book of Joshua, so let's turn there again, chapter 1. And let's just see what the Lord would have, have us look at this morning. It says here, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Now who said that nuns can't have babies? Amen. I cracked that joke a lot and it's maybe not that funny, but the son of Nun, okay? So Joshua, Joshua but of course Nun here was a, was a man's name. It says, and this is important, he says, Moses' minister, Joshua was Moses' minister. He was his servant. So there was a succession that was happening here because Moses was, at that time, the leader of the nation, the leader of the people, and he would be what we would call today a prime minister or a president. He wasn't a king, he was a prophet, uh, but he was the national ruler or leader uh, in, in God's place, at, at, at God's appointment. And Joshua was his successor. And it's interesting what God says to Joshua in verse 2. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I don't think that Joshua was unaware of this. I don't think that Joshua had doubt. He may have, because he may, maybe wasn't entirely sure what happened to Moses. But I think he did know. So why would God say to him, Moses, my servant, is dead? Because this was, I believe, the Lord saying, we're entering a new era, a new season, or as they say, to be a new paradigm. It's a new day. And sometimes we have to enter a new day, a new season, by closing the old season. Okay? And Jesus spoke about new wineskins and old wineskins. And so really what God was saying to Joshua was Moses was the old era, the old, the old season, the old wineskin. Now folks, we can live as Christians many years and we can actually go from wineskin to wineskin, from season to season, and we ought to. We are the ones that need to stay fresh. Amen? Always open to what God is doing today rather than reminiscing about what he did yesterday. And of course, in this place, that's very apt because there's decades, over 150 years of history of this ministry. So I know some of you can't remember back just that far, but some of you can remember many, many decades ago. And it's easy to say, oh, remember the old days. And of course, we, we celebrated Martha the other night, who was here for, uh, well, 90-something years. She, she, she was here from, from a baby. And so she must have seen many things, as some of you have. And of course, those that maybe haven't been here, but have been other places uh, and, and other churches. It's easy to look back and say, well, remember the good old days, churches full, happiness, happy, clappy times, you know, simpler times. And oh boy, do we miss simpler times. Don't we? I certainly do. But nonetheless, 
God's not saying to Joshua here, listen, Moses, my servant, is dead, so go and build a memorial to him, go and build a church in his name, you know, just camp here and just think about Moses. No, no, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, get up and go ahead. Get up and go forward. Go over this Jordan. See, Jordan, as we know, represents death. The river Jordan is a metaphor for death. You know, when I cross the Jordan, is what we often say. Certainly, uh, it's an old-fashioned way of looking at it now. Uh, you know, you get all these songs about it, uh, crossing the Jordan. Uh, but it's just a metaphor for saying, well, when I die, go to heaven. But this wasn't dying to go to heaven. This was dying to go to the promise. Going over death, the river of Jordan, to go into the promised land. In other words, what God is saying to Joshua is, the best is yet to come. Yes, Moses had a wonderful ministry. Yes, Moses was a mighty man. He gave them the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He parted the Red Sea, all of these things. But God is saying to Joshua, now it's your turn to go forward as the leader of this people. He says, you and all this people, to the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. You know, God's got something for us, brothers and sisters, that's better than what went before. We have to believe that. You know, I, I mentioned this again quite a lot. Uh, Al Jolson, who would always say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, I believe that's what God's saying here to Joshua. That the, the greater glories are still to come. And we have to believe that. It doesn't matter how old we are, doesn't matter how young we are, we have to believe that the greater glories are still to come. It might not look like what it used to look like. You know, uh, we've all got, we've seen all the, the photos, and some of you were there, you, you, you're, some of them, you're in the photos when the big church was full. But you know, what's coming might not look like that. Okay? It might be something completely different, but I'm still believing that God will fill the church, aren't you? But it's not about, oh, because you could, you could fill the church full of mannequins, couldn't you? We went to one of these Weatherspoon restaurants one day over at Canvas Line, and it's in an old, kind of, I think it's a cinema or a bingo hall, something like that. And it's all done up, and they've got a balcony, and it, they've put these mannequins in it, okay? So you're sitting down there, you, and you're looking up, and these old men, they all look like Abraham Lincoln, don't they? And, and they're all looking down at you, but they're mannequins, so you can fill seats you know agnes and i joke about this because uh you've heard the expression bums on seats you say oh give us we need bums on seats no when you start saying that and believing for that that's what you get bums on seats amen do you understand we don't want bums on seats we want hungry people on seats seekers after god so but he's saying here to moses well, that, that year is over. It's your, it's your era now. And of course, Joshua was one of the two spies that went into the promised land, but came back with a good report. The other 10, oh, they're giants, and we're like grasshoppers, we'll never, we'll never be able to take this land. But Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. And God is looking for people with a different spirit. And you see in this pandemic era, in this threat of nuclear war era, in this, so we hear, threat of scarcity and shortage, which is really plague, war, and famine. 
which are three of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and the fourth is death. So we're living in an era where momentous things are happening, and folks are not really always pleasant. In fact, they're far from pleasant. Uh, and the natural were very scary. But you see, they were going into the promised land with all these giants and all these fierce, ferocious tribes and warriors that weren't going to say, oh, God sent you, that's good, we'll move out now. Wouldn't that be nice? But that's not what happened. And God didn't say to Joshua, well, you're going into the promised land and there won't be any, any enemies there, there won't, won't be anything there that you need to deal with. I'll deal with it all for you. No, no, he didn't say that. What he said was, and then we're going to see what he says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you. As I said to Moses, now just because God gave it to Joshua, to the children of Israel, didn't mean to say that there weren't going to be hardships or trials or enemies to face or problems or things to deal with. You know, and, and we're the same. You know, you might get up uh, one morning and you've got a burst pipe. You might get up one morning and your car won't start. You might get up one morning and you've missed your bus. Life is not a bowl of cherries for anybody. And when you become a Christian, it's definitely not a bowl of cherries for you because you're no longer part of the devil's crowd. You're actually his enemy. And so then is when the attacks, you don't get attacked when you're unsaved. You get attacked when you are saved. So it's not about, oh, life's going to be, you'll just coast along, everything's going to be wonderful. That's not what God promised Joshua. He says, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, or the enemies, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. That'll be your coast, that'll be your territory, that'll be your borders, that'll be where you live. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor forsake you. He says they won't be able to come against you or stand against you, but they will still be there. The promise was that they wouldn't prevail. He says, be strong and have a good courage. Well, you wouldn't need to be strong. You wouldn't need to have good courage if they were all just going to lie down, uh, put their, their weapons to the side and say, we'll be your captives. You wouldn't need strength and courage for that. What he's saying is, you need to take the land. The land is yours. I've given it to you. Nobody's going to be able to stand before you. But if you don't go in and take it, it's not going to be taken. And that speaks to us, folks, is that we need to get up every morning. We need to brush our teeth, put our clothes on and face the world. You know, it's easy in this day and age, especially with the pandemic, to, I'll just stay in the house. That's it. I'm not good. Why should I do it? Why should I go out and face what's out there? But folks, we don't lie down in the face of adversity. We, we run towards adversity. Because it's not about the enemies that are there, it's that he is with us. Amen. He doesn't say there won't be any enemies. He says they'll be there, but they won't prevail. They won't stand against you. To this people shall you divide for inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Then he says it again. Now when God repeats himself, let me tell you, when God repeats himself, that 
that means it's something very, very important. He says again, only be you strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. What he says is, Moses gave you the instructions. Moses gave you the blueprint. Moses gave you the law. And if you observe the law, and if you take on board what Moses said and run with that and live with that, or we would say if you take on board God's law, because that's all the work they had then. But we've got, a, we've got 66 books now, unless you're Greek Orthodox, when you've got many more. <laughs> but um, he says you need to do what's in the book. You need to be careful to observe to do what's in the book. See, if you, if you go away from the book, and our governments have gone away from the book, and that's the problem. That's why, we're, we're, that's why the world is what it is right now. That's why we're living in great darkness and, and the threat of war and all these things that are coming against us. But he says, stick with the book, stick in the book, stay in the book. And then he says, and then you'll prosper wherever you go. Everything in the book is designed to prosper you. Did you know that every word that God said is designed to prosper you? Prosper doesn't just mean financially, but it includes it. But it means that you have good success in life. Our failures come when we turn away from the book. Or when we don't have enough of the book. When all we hear is on a Sunday morning or, or we just turn to it um, very, very occasionally. Then verse 8, this is the one I want to concentrate on. This book of the law, we would say this, this word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, we have this idea of meditation as being a sort of the this transcendental meditation, don't we? That sort of an Eastern, where you sit and do all that stuff. Yeah. What, what, what did he tell you? Empty your mind. Well, I know a lot of people with empty minds already. They don't need to empty their mind because there's nothing there to empty. It's not, see, the Bible meditation is totally different. It's not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind. That's what, the, that's what Bible meditation means. And notice here he says it will not depart out of your mouth. Meditation of, for all the other religions is sitting silent or making wee kind of noises and all this sort of stuff, which is really weird. But Bible meditation is saying what God said. And that word meditate in Hebrew has a primarily vocal context. It means to speak, to mutter, sometimes to roar, in other words, varying levels of volume. For obviously, if you're sitting in the bus, you're not going to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or they'll throw you off the or if you get in a shop, or you, you get into your work, they'll call security because you, you sound like a nutter. So mainly Bible meditation meant speaking very softly under your breath. Enough so you could pick it up, you're in an ear. But look what he says, meditate therein day and night. It wasn't just something you did occasionally, once a week, twice a week. It's all the time. Now, that takes a bit of doing. It takes a bit of application. 
But really what he's saying is don't let what God said in his word. Don't stop saying it. Say it over and over. Particularly verses or passages that relate to your situation. Let's just say you needed healing. Go take healing verses. Let's just say you need financial help. Go take verses that promise God's supply. Or if it was um, that you've been troubled by things, then take verses on deliverance and peace. Whatever applies to your situation, and this book is full of verses, full of promises. Take those verses and speak them. And they will change the situation. Whatever you, whatever you are conscious of, you will walk in. Or whatever you stay in consciousness of. Which means whatever you meditate, keeping your mouth, keeping your thinking, that's what you're walking eventually. So if you're having troubles, or problems, or you're full of fear, or whatever, when you take God's word and continue to speak it, continue to ponder it, and continue to just keep it at the forefront of your thinking, sooner or later, sometimes much sooner than you would imagine, sometimes later on, but situation, circumstances will change for the better when you meditate in his word day and night. He says that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Good success in your job. Good success in your business. Good success in your family life. Good success in your relationships with others. Good success in every realm of life. Then verse 9, have not I commanded you? These are not suggestions, folks. God does not speak to us in suggestions. He commands us. His word should be, you know, that old saying, your wish is my command. Well, we should be saying to the Lord, whatever you say in your word is my command. Have not I commanded you? He didn't command, he didn't suggest to Joshua, you know, it'd be a nice idea uh, if you were strong and of good courage. He commanded them. Be strong and of a good courage. If I could command that to you guys today, but God's word commands it to all of us. And notice again the third mention. See, when God, Bible scholars will tell you if God mentions something once, it's of vital importance. When he mentions in the same passage something twice, a double reference, it's staggering importance. But in this passage, in this conversation with Joshua, he actually mentions it three times, which means it's off the charts, amazing significance. He says, be strong and have a good courage. That's the third time he says it here. So folks, God wants you and I to be strong and have a good courage. Because it's so easy to succumb to fear in this world right now. It's always been easy to succumb to fear because fear is the atmosphere that most people live in because fear is the opposite of faith. Um, but God wants us, that's why he kept saying through his word, don't fear. Jesus kept saying, fear not. So fear is the trap you don't want to fall into. And it's very easy. It's easy for anybody. Even preachers, even strong uh, ministers, it's easy to fall into fear when you look around you. But he says, be strong and of good courage. Don't fear. Be not afraid, he says. Neither be dismayed. 
It's easy to fall into fear. It's easy to fall into despair, discouragement, dismay. In this world we live in right now, he's saying don't do it. Rather fill your mind and your word, uh, your mouth with God's word. Speak his word and you will be full of faith and you'll be full of strength and you'll be full of courage. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He didn't say to them, well, there's not going to be any problems. Once you cross that Jordan, there won't be any enemies there. There'll be nothing. Jericho was there. A strong, fortified city no army could take. But they didn't take it by having howitzers and tanks and, you know, missiles or, or whatever. They took it by marching round it and praising God and shouting. Sometimes the thing you need to destroy the walls of Jericho in your life and knock them down is a strong shout of praise. So folks, we don't use the weaponry of man. We use spiritual weaponry. We use prayer. We use his word. We use praise. We use all the arsenal that he's given us, all the weaponry that he's given us to destroy the works of darkness in our lives. So it's so important to be strong of your courage. But I really want to emphasize today uh, this aspect of meditation. It sounds New Age, it sounds kind of Eastern religion-y, but they're actually just, they're the counterfeit. These things are the counterfeit. Uh, and, and it's interesting because all these meditations things that other religions do, as I said, it's all about emptying your mind. And why is that? Because the devil knows that Bible meditation is about you and I filling our minds. Filling our minds with good things. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is in abundance in your heart is what will come out of your mouth. And that's why it's so important to fill our hearts and our minds with God's word. Let's look at another scripture. It says, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There are so many ungodly people. There are so many people out there sinning or being scornful. People out there saying, oh, that you going to church again, all you mad Christians. But how do you believe in all that stuff? We don't listen to these people. We don't listen to atheists. Let me just tell you something right now. Atheism is not just a lie. It's, it's, it's a house of cows. What we discovered is in the ICUs of hospitals, there are no atheists. If, if, you, if your loved one, particularly if it's a child, but any loved one is in critical, yeah, uh, the ICU, whatever it is, and their life is threatened, there are no atheists in the family if their loved one is on that bed or the church coming out. They will ask you to pray. They will welcome your prayers. They will pray. And they, they may have went in there, I don't believe in God. Believe you me, they're not atheists when they get in there. So atheism is a deception people tell themselves because they don't want to face the reality that they're, that they're going to face a day of judgment. I don't think there are any true atheists. And when, when you, and here's the good thing as well, when you plant the seed of God's word, and even the hardest heart of unbelief, that seed will grow. 
Amen. So it's good just to just you know you're not trying to convert that person on the spot. You just plant the seed and let that seed grow. That seed is indestructible. Amen. So anyway, but he says it's blessed is a man that doesn't listen to all these fools. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. So blessed is a man that doesn't listen to that nonsense. What you listen to determines what you will walk in. So let's listen to God's word. Get it on the YouTube videos, good preaching, a, a, a podcast or whatever it is. Get the Bible on CD, or speak it, the best of all, speak it to yourself. Read through God's word, read the Psalms, read Proverbs. Over and over, let your ears hear the word of God. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Or we would say his delight is in the Bible, his delight is in God's word. And in his law, in his Bible, in his word, does he meditate day and night. There it is again, that, that reference to this. To meditate day and night is to speak God's word day and night. And he shall be like a river planted by the rivers of water. Sorry, like a tree, sorry. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Trees that are planted by rivers never hufty will go dry. Amen? It's, it's a great place for a tree to be because the roots are always receiving uh, refreshing. And if you are somebody who plant the roots of your life in this book. It'll be like a river keeping you refreshed. It says, you'll bring forth your fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do shall prosper. That doesn't mean you say you won't have hardships. That doesn't mean you say you maybe not mess up from time to time. It doesn't mean you say that you'll you know, have this perfect life. But, but what it means is, is that you have roots in something. And a lot of Christians don't put their roots in God's word either. They, they, they just live like other people, like, like mere men. Well, folks, we're going to leave it there for this morning. I just wanted to emphasize to you the importance of being strong, being of good courage. And how do we how do we do that then? By meditating in his word day and night. The Bible says of itself that this is a sharp two-edged sword and it, it says it gets into the very heart of us, the very right in between um, the soul and the spirit, right in between the joints and the marrow, it gets into every part of our being and it changes us and transforms us, it's not just oh, well that's the holy book that we, we hear on a Sunday, no no this is designed to be for everyday life and all day, every day, life. Amen. The Lord bless you. And um, I hope that encourages you to spend more time in God's word. Praise the Lord.